We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Long story short, he'll be in San Francisco. He'll get an extension. This will all pass. But this is hurt. He's frustrated. I didn't only got three receptions, and I made the most of those three. Could I have done more on that slant route with the coverage in your face? Like, I, I needed that football right there. You I'm did. frustrated that you didn't make that decision. Yep. I will get over that. I will watch the tape. I will come back with a vengeance next year under a new contract, and, and we will make necessary adjustments to get him the ball more. Richard Sherman, I'm Brandon Ayuk, who is due more money for being good at his job. Hey, good morning. Did I tease something going to the break? What did I tell you I was going to get to? Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Hi. Oh, I wanted to mention a couple things going on this weekend. So the NBA All-Star Game is this weekend. Yep. Also, at UB, tomorrow, at UB, they will honor Turner Battle, former U- University of Buffalo's Men's basketball team star. His number 11 goes to the Rafters. Retiring his number, honoring his number 11. Turner Battle, one of the best players in UB's history. Glory days for the for the UB Bulls those years, 01 to 05. Great years. 23 wins. Um, Also, Turner Battle, m- many of you may not know this. He had a great career at UB. He also had a great career playing on my rec league team of probably like 2006 in that neighborhood, <laughs> maybe 2008. We had, a, we had, you know, like a you play basketball in a league, and Turner Battle Joe was on my team. And that was an example of, you know, I, I played a lot of basketball in my day, play with friends. I'm certainly not a Division One, nor Division Two, nor Division Three nor Division Seven basketball athlete, but I played a lot of basketball. Played with former morning show producer Dan Hager's on that team. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Turner married a uh, good friend of mine, good friend of mine's sister, and Turner's on our team. So we show up to these games, and it's a rec league. Wait, Turner Battle is on your team? Yeah, that's right. We got Turner Battle on this team. Wow. <laughs> which, meant, which meant, here's the rec league. I think we played at Nichols. And... You know, it's 6 o'clock on a Tuesday night. Let's play some basketball. Mm-hmm. And here, oh, Turner, steal, dunk. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Drive the basket, kick it out. There's Turner, uh-huh. drain it from three. Just, you know, laying waste to teams. It's the definition of you bring in a ringer yeah. to a team. And Turner was great. Now, another story about that team is, Joe, that is the league that I – uh I scored a basket on the wrong basket during a game. How did you do that? How did I do that, you ask? Right? How could someone do that? Jim Marshall running to the wrong end zone. How did that happen? He got turned around and spun around, picked up the ball, ran to the wrong end zone. How did it happen that I scored on the wrong basket? Okay, I'll tell you how it happened. So when you play in these rec leagues, halftime is not exactly an event. Right? Call mm-hmm. halftime, go to your benches, 
go back out, switch sides. It was just after halftime. And there had been a timeout called. So we come out of the timeout. I didn't realize it was the halftime timeout. It was just a timeout. I go to receive the inbounds play. The other team on the first play of the second half has also started a full court press. So it kind of looks like I'm receiving an inbound under the basket we have been shooting on, and Mm -hmm. their entire team is in the paint and pressing everything in. And I took the inbound and scored. (laughs) (laughs) It was in the wrong basket. Yeah. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I think we lost by two. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Did you find out immediately you Oh, I knew right away. As soon as it's up and off the backboard, it's like, wait a minute. Wait. Wow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It will never get worse than that. It's pretty bad. It's a pretty embarrassing moment for me. I don't think Turner was there that day, so he did not see that from me. Anyway, Turner Battle, number 11 of the rafters at UB tomorrow we're gonna talk with uh matt larkin coming up in a moment here from uh daily faceoff um when did turner battle stop playing at ub 2005 2005 so i would have been too young to remember his career yeah i remember him as a coach though yeah uab yeah chattanooga tennessee chattanooga maybe uh uab and but both like i remember him being a story when he was in the tournament like locally um i don't think he was even ever a head coach but he would have been on the uh, at least on the assistant level. Yeah, he's back in town. He moved back and uh, is the AD at the Park School in Buffalo. And tomorrow they honor Turner Battle. To the Western Hotline we go. Matt Larkin of the Daily Faceoff, one of our favorites, now on the Western Hotline as we'll continue to talk Sabers. Matt, it's Joe and Jeremy. Thanks for thanks for taking time out, man. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing? We're doing good, but the hockey team is, uh, you know. You know, Matt, how it goes these days. Not necessarily the reason why that's happening. Another loss last night. It's it's a 13-year playoff drought. I don't know uh, for you, like, if whether or not you even know that it's, like, the all-time record. I don't know how common knowledge that is. But how 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 historic is it? How uh, insane is it to you that this is happening to the Sabres? It's extremely historic, and I definitely uh, am well aware of that record. It's, it's a, a very sad record for a fan base that deserves so much more. And especially in the salary cap era in which you have teams like, you know, the Montreal Canadiens had the 18th best record in the league. They go to the Stanley Cup final in 2021, right? This parity allows virtually every team to go on a run every few years and to miss the playoffs 13 years in a row. To me, it's absolutely unfathomable. And I just feel, you know, as a journalist, I'm supposed to be impartial, but admittedly, I just feel for Buffalo. It's a city that I want to see have success because the fans are so passionate when they have a winner. But at the same time, it's been so long since a winner that there's an entire generation of fans that hasn't seen one. And that's how you lose fans in a long-term sense, right? So I, I really thought this was going to be the year, missed the playoffs by one point last year. And now you look at the standings, 10 points out, and here we go again. 
Yeah. Is there like what's the the path forward to you? Like they have prospects, they have picks, they have the youngest team in hockey. Like there's talent, um, but you also have, as you just kind of laid out, like you have fans and you have a team that's not really. I don't think it's right to expect patience. So I'd like to say like there needs to be a move to be made, but I I, I find it tough to believe also that they can just have their pick of the litter. They don't have a great reputation. They're probably in every no trade clause in the league. Yeah, it's true, and, and it's tough. They're in a, a sort of paradoxical situation where I, I agree. I don't think the path forward for Kevin Adams is patience anymore. I think especially given the cap space this team has, you have to wade into the free agent waters this summer and try to make a splash. And I know that's a scary proposition. If you look at the team's recent history with their big signings, go back to Christian Erhoff, guys like that. Even Jeff Skinner, it's been hot, cold. Kyle Ocpozo, when, when he signed his first contract, it didn't go so well, right? So I can understand if you're a Sabres fan, if that makes you nervous, the idea of signing a veteran. But at the same time, it's not like this team needs to add more young talent. The pipeline is unbelievably stacked. And that includes guys that have not, have not broken through and, and become full-time NHLers yet, whether it's Matt Savoy, whether it's Yuri Kulich, the list goes on and on. This team is so deep in the prospect pipeline. So to me, you can use some of that capital either to trade and bring in more help. I think you need another strong defenseman, top four defenseman. I think maybe you need to devote some free agent dollars to try and woo a big name, depending on who's on the market this summer, whether it's a Jake Gensel, whether it's an Elias Lindholm, do whatever you can. And I know... It probably sounds scary because you don't want to be stuck with a bunch of contracts that don't age well. But what else can you do if you're Kevin Adams? You have the young talent. You need to bring in some effective veterans to push this team forward. You can't just be only relying on the kids. And to me, that's what you have to do. Matt Larkin, managing editor and senior writer at Daily Faceoff. I, on one guy specifically, Rasmus Anderson or Noah Hannafin, is Calgary kind of the right team to look at for if, if you're the Sabres trying to – on you know, try to bring in guys that are more in their primes, veteran pieces. Um, I don't know. That team seems to be the one that most commonly is being mentioned in rumors. For sure, because they have a lot of quality veterans that are still in their primes, right? And because of the fact that Calgary does seem willing to sell, obviously they made their Lindholm move. I think that's the best place to shop right now. For Buffalo, it's a bit complicated, right? Because Noah Hannafin's a pending UFA, and you're not renting anybody right now. So if you're bringing in a Hannafin, it's either going to be a trade or really you're waiting until the summer. You don't want to have to give up assets. So you may as well wait. Since you don't need them right now, you would need them long-term, right? So that's someone I think you try to sign in the summer. Rasmus Anderson, to me, that's a name. I've heard it only recently thrown out there. I'd be surprised if Calgary moves him. Hmm. To me, he's part of the long-term plan there. So if you can get someone like that, all the power to you, I'm a little more skeptical that he'd be available. But I agree, overall, the Sabres, they need to bring in someone of that quality, right? They need a little bit more support for Rasmus Dahlin, Owen Power, Matthias Samuelson. I think you could see, to me, it was apparent in plain sight, bringing in someone like Eric Johnson. Yes, there's some leadership there, but his game has really fallen off in the last few years. That was not going to get the job done. You need to aim higher and bring in a big-ticket player. Don Granato is the sixth longest tenured coach in the league, which is pretty amazing. It might say more about the league uh, than anything. But what do you think about that current situation? End of the year, or do, do you think they just keep going as an idea? Um, I don't know. Does it? What, what would it mean? What would it say? I guess what would it say about the Sabers if the rest of the league looks at the seasons that they've had recently and they just keep going with the same coach? 
Yeah, it's tough, right? Because I think a year ago we were speaking of Don Granado so much higher, right? He was the guy who came from the U.S. NTDP program and was really good at working with young players. And he'd gotten through to this Sabres team and they were a top three offense in the league. And it felt like he was the guy that was taking them there, right? I think he would have been a Jack Adams candidate if they made the playoffs. So a year later, now, I don't want to say he's lost the room, but when you have so many of the players that were so good last year just not finding their game, then it's hard not to look at the coach. So I do wonder if they're getting close to needing that new voice. To me, I think you definitely wait till the summer, and it comes down to do you give Granada one more year? And that could depend on who's out there. There's someone really enticing for Kevin Adams that could – sort of motivate this group and maybe bring more a veteran track record. You have to consider it. But otherwise, it was working until this year under Don Granado. So I'm wondering if you need to give him one more year. Yeah. We've talked about, like, Rod Brindamore. I mean, he has a connection to Adams from their playing days. And I know his future in Carolina is at least a little bit up in the air. But even that, like, this is... Matt, this is kind of where I think Sabre fans live. It's bring up a big name like that for a coach or a player, and it's I think you just have to manage your expectations because of what the recent history has been for this team. Yeah, I think that's fair. And Brendan Moore is a fascinating case because you know players are willing to go through a wall for him, but at the same time, he's such an institution in Carolina. It's hard to picture him ever leaving there. Uh, you, you wonder, you know, if, if Carolina flops in the playoffs, they can't get over the hump. Maybe that changes. To me, I would consider looking at someone like a Jay Woodcroft, who I, I think was unceremoniously dumped in Edmonton. That team, their analytics were still really good. They just weren't getting saves. So to me, that's a quality coach that didn't necessarily deserve to lose his job. And we saw him come into a young team a couple of years ago and really turn things around quickly. So that's a name I'd be wondering about if I were Kevin Adams. Matt Larkin of the uh, Daily Faceoff. All right, on the Leafs quickly. The suspension by Morgan Riley. One, what did you think of the incident? And two, uh, there, there's some Leaf fans I've seen that are like, oh, well, this is actually good for them because they're showing the league that they're not soft, which they've been called for, for years. Um, d- did you like the suspension? And what did you make of the entire situation there? Is it weird if I say I just loved all of it? <laughs> I think that it was the appropriate response for everyone involved. Okay, so for Ridley Gregg, I love personality. I love villainy. I love rivalries. And the Battle of Ontario has been dead for a while. I don't mind him firing that clapper into the empty net. At the same time, if you're going to do it, if you're going to play the heel, you have to understand that there's going to be response. That's totally okay as well. I agree. The Leafs have been known as a pretty soft team in recent years. So I was okay with the response from Morgan Riley. And at the same time, I also was okay with the suspension. If you're making a non-hockey play, the goal is in, the the, the play is dead. That's the definition of a non-hockey play. Not remotely surprised to see the Department of Player Safety give him five games, which I think was an appropriate ban. The cross-check to the face, it's not like his stick rode up directly to the face. So to me, you couldn't really hide from that. I think the punishment was appropriate. But again, I loved all of it. I just like drama. I like rivalries. And to me, it was all. It was, now that we know Ridley Gregg was not hurt, I can say it was fun. Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff. Last thing for you, Matt. So you've been doing a lot of uh, work on like the international teams, right? The Olympics are going to be in a couple years. They're going to do this Four Nations Faceoff next year, which will have Sweden, Finland, U.S., and Canada. Um, one on just whether there should still be any skepticism that they will still go to the Olympics, and two, assuming they do go, 
am I? I've been saying this. Am I right in thinking that this is the closest that the U.S. has ever been to Canada when you put together, you know, a projected lineup? Yes. So, in terms of skepticism, I understand why it would be there because I think we're all right to be jaded, especially when they were going in 2022. It was just the Omicron outbreak of COVID suddenly pulled them back, right? But other than that, like the deal is done. It's signed. They're going. So it would take literally another disaster or pandemic-related problem, something like that, to stop them from going. But otherwise, it's, it's in writing and it's official. 2026, they will be there. So that's great news. Uh, and I totally agree about the U.S. I think this is going to be the strongest team they've ever had in best on best. And I believe on paper, the U.S. will be the favorite, not Canada going into the tournament. Because if you look at certain positions, Canada obviously can match the U.S. in terms of quality forwards. But the American goaltending battery is just untouchable. It's going to be Jake Ottinger, Connor Hellebuck, Thatcher mm-hmm. Demko. And on defense, you've got Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox. The list goes on and on. So I think the Americans are going to have the best defense core and the best goaltending in the tournament. And they're going to be right there with the forward group, too. Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes and the Kachuk brothers. So to me, yes, the U.S. should be the favorite on paper going in. The only thing holding them back is that Canada has a couple of just otherworldly generational talents that can carry them, of course. Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby will still be there, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon. So the, the top-end talent, Canada might have the edge. And also the track record of just coming through in the clutch. For whatever reason, the U.S. has a history of underachieving in international events. Right, yeah. Four of the five best players might all be Canadian, but the depth and whatnot, as you look through the rosters, might be more U.S. there. Um, Tage Thompson not going to make the U.S., right? I was just going to say, at this this rate, rate, how we feel about Tage right now? In terms of making making the team, or just in general this season? Both, I guess. I mean, his season this year, I think, is why it's even a question. If I had you on exactly a year ago and asked you this, you probably would have laughed me off and said like he's the second-line center or something. Exactly, yeah. And, and I do think oh, I'll be making this decision because we're on Daily Faceoff. We are going through our mock rosters, and we're going to do the U.S. next week. So I'll have a definitive answer next week. But I'm still a believer in Tage. You obviously have to be careful because he's someone who bloomed late. It's not like he's 22 years old. So it's not like he has that many years of his prime left. So you do wonder what his future is in terms of being a superstar. A year ago, I thought he was there. So this has been a massive step back. At the same time, I'm still a believer. I think his raw talent is so unique, what he can do as a big man with the puck on his stick. And I think given all the skill, you'll be up against the Olympics. You're going to want that type of match involving Tate Thompson. Also the great one-timer on the power play, right? I know it hasn't worked that well this year, but I still think the skill set's there. So I still believe he belongs on Team USA. Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff. Follow him on Twitter at MLarkinHockey, and you can check out all the stuff at DailyFaceoff.com. Matt, thanks again for joining us, man, and uh, appreciate the time. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. No problem. All right. The center's in front of Thompson. Right now I'm looking at a projected roster. It's Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel, Tage Thompson. And the honorable mention centers are like Larkin, Zegras, there's a lot. Yeah. They're going to be good. I'm glad to hear him say they're going to be the favorite. It's 10 years ago today. Or no, 10 Ye- years yesterday, ago yesterday. Yesterday was the Oshi the shootout, Oshi. which was the last meaningful international hockey game that I've watched. Can you believe the NHL didn't see that shootout and say, we should totally go to you can have whoever shoot as many times as you want? Of course, that they should have gone to that format immediately. 
Oshie was allowed to shoot as many times as he wanted. And he kept scoring. It was amazing. The NHL should have gone to that format immediately. You have your shootout guy. Go. Anyway, yeah. Extendo Sports on the way, then the Extra Point Show. It's going to be uh, Zach Jones, Joe Kelly coming in for the Extra Point Show as uh, that begins at 10 o'clock. They had a question yesterday I want to ask you about. Maybe we'll do next week. A lot. What happens with Dawson Knox? What, the, what, what can happen? Fewer articles about how, what happens with a Diggs trade and more about a Dawson Knox idea. That, to me, seems more realistic, mm-hmm. possible, still unlikely. 803-0550 on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.